the church leaders of the time were not his disciples. They were all people that had occupations that were working. Right. And, None uh, of them were. And uh, I joke with my friends in Houston that the fishermen, uh, the four fishermen that uh, he picked as disciples, uh, were like the oil and gas guys of, uh, of today, mm-hmm. right? It's uh, drop a line and pray, basically. Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast. I'm Ken Kennard, and in this episode, we continue a conversation that Chip Roper had with Greg Brenneman, one of our thought leaders here at VOCA Center. Greg gives us a four-part framework for thinking about work from a faith perspective. And in this conversation, Greg talks about the platform God has given each of us to use to live out our calling and serve Him. Here we go. Greg, uh, among many other things, has been part of our thought leader panel. He uh, speaks into the content that we create on our blog and on our podcast. So, Greg, we appreciate that and your faithfulness to share the wisdom that God's given you. And today, uh, last time we talked a little bit about the idea that our our work is important to God. And today, uh, kind of expanding on that, I think, in some ways, is that you say work is the actual, is the platform that God has given us in the world. So expand on that. Yeah, we uh, talked about the first truth that um, God revealed to us last time, that work's important to God, and we unpacked that. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, uh, we took a look, I think, a, a little bit at uh, Dorothy Sayers saying that work is the medium by which we honor off, off and ourselves. offer ourselves to yeah. God, and, right. uh, and how important that is, uh, not so much what we do, but how we do it and how we uh, engage others in it and how we give that back, uh, give that back to God. So the second truth that uh, the Bible has revealed to us about work is that God has given us each a platform in the world hmm. to serve Him. And that platform may actually evolve over time, but He's, uh, he's given us a God-ordained place uh, to worship Him. Most of us will not be preachers or parachurch leaders. Uh, most of us are So that's actually, not our platform. So that might not be our platform. Um, and uh, and uh, most of us are actually called to uh, to be in the business world and actually to be businessmen and women in that world and to serve God in, uh, in that way. And uh, I always found it interesting that Jesus, uh, when he picked the disciples, he picked four fishermen Right, so he did not pick the the church leaders of the time were not his disciples. They were all people that had occupations yeah. that were working. Right. And, None uh, of them were. And uh, I joke with my friends in Houston that the fishermen, uh, the four fishermen that uh, he picked as disciples, uh, were like the oil and gas guys of uh, of today. Right, <laughs> it's uh, drop a line and pray, basically. Uh, uh, was uh, was the task, but but uh, even Jesus, as he picked those to to lead his church going forward and to follow him in ministry and to learn from him, were in the marketplace and in the marketplace with other people, and uh, I just think it's an important concept that God's uh, God's given us each a, a platform in the world. So, is platform influence? Yeah, platform certainly leads to influence and is a way that we can impact uh, other people. Uh, like, how would you define? If you just said, "This is how I define platform," how yeah. would you define it? I, I think I think it's our it's it's the work that we do. It's the people that we can influence. It's those we come into contact with around us. Again, we did this the last time. We got you know sort of pretty high level. But if you think about the world 
and even the most influential people in the world, it's a pretty finite set of people that you're coming into contact with, mm-hmm. you know, relative to the whole. Yeah, and then seven if, billion, eight billion, billion people. people. And then if you look at that over time, it's you know, two generations later, it's really small. So, so, uh, so we have, but we have been giving. So, no matter who you're talking about, they've been giving us, uh, given a specific finite platform for which they can actually influence the world and influence people for God's kingdom. Didn't Home Depot yeah. have a slogan like, yeah. it's your little piece of the world or yeah. something like that? Well, they were always, you can do it, we can help. But, okay. Uh, they, yeah, there yeah, was, yeah, maybe that somebody, was Lowe's and I just yeah. talked about your competitor. Yeah, no, I yeah, think, yeah. I think, no, I think Home Depot used to have, it's like yeah. your little piece of the world yeah. and you can make it better. And, yeah. And, and that, so it's that kind of idea when yeah. you think of platform. Yeah, no, I think, I think it is. And, uh, one of my favorite stories on this is a Mother Teresa story and, uh, it's uh, it's a fun one to tell um, uh, and uh, a true story. Years ago, um, there was a man that heard Mother Teresa speak, and uh, he listened to her. You know what she was giving back to the orphans in India and everything, and he thought, well, he felt a real calling in his heart to uh, to do that. So he gave away everything he had. He moved to Calcutta, and uh, he actually started serving in Mother Teresa's orphanage. She hmm. was out traveling, and he was. Uh, he was serving. So he uh, left it all he and he went to Calcutta. He left it all and he went to Calcutta, right? Oh. And uh, after, I don't know, five or six weeks, Mother Teresa comes back and she walks into the room where he's actually uh, serving. And um, I never had the pleasure to meet Mother Teresa before she passed away, but I've been told she could, her presence could fill a room in a second. She was about five foot tall, but <laughs> but but just had this huge presence. So she walked, walked into the room and this guy was... Uh, was scrubbing some floors and and uh, she said, "Son, what are you doing?" And he said, "Told her the story about how he heard her speak, and you know, he was so convicted, he gave up everything and um, and came to Calcutta to serve in this orphanage." And she said, "Son," she said, "You're terrible at this." She said, "Son, uh, Calcutta, you know, this orphanage is my ministry, and uh, I've been called by God to my do platform, it. my platform." And she said. Uh, Son, you need to find your own Calcutta. Hmm. And uh, I think it's a great story because, um, you know, we tend to actually sometimes look in, at what somebody else is doing and saying, well, maybe I ought to go do that, right? That would be more fulfilling or maybe that would serve God in a better way. And But that may not be what he called us to do. That may not be the platform that he actually uh, he actually gave to us. That's really interesting. So we're coming back to this theme of comparison, which yeah. I think we talked a little bit about in our last conversation. So sometimes it's true. Like sometimes we hear somebody talk or tell their story and it inspires us to do what we were meant to do. Yeah. And sometimes it just sort of feeds into this free floating guilt and feeling of inadequacy. How do we break through that? Like how do we, how do we discern when God is saying this is really your cut cut? What do you think? Yeah. I, I, I think you do need to listen to God, as, and you'll have this in different seasons of life. Uh, you and I have talked about this before, Chip, of you're about to become a granddad. That's yeah. a different season, That's right? A, it is a different That's season. That's a better one. If, yeah. uh, if you could skip kids and go straight to grandkids, everybody would do it. We can uh, <laughs> sugar them up and send them home, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, right. it's perfect. It's a, it's a, you can have a big influence on them. But, but you go through kind of seasons in your life, and I think it's— uh, hmm. It, you, you need, we talked in the first session about work being important to God and that a lot of our work is going to be mundane. And what Dorothy Sayers says about it being the medium in which we offer ourselves to God and what Colossians says about right. us being ordained to work. So not everything we do is going to be trying to find the next 
platform or the next opportunity. Some of it is just executing what we're doing in our in, in the space we're in. But I think it's also to be just be open to what can that job that we're in be in terms of how can we influence those people around us? My great uncle had a great saying of if you can create a job for someone. And I think, by the way, as business people, we were all called on earth to create employment. It's part of the platform. It's part of the job creating platform. The job creating platform. When you create a job for someone, you then earn a little bit of right to minister into their lives, right? Hmm. To be a shepherd to them, to be an influence for them, because the very virtue of creating a job is meaningful to them, meaningful to their family, and 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 you sort of have that ability to, to to influence it. So that's your platform, right? How are you using that platform uh, to influence others? And when God gives you a new assignment or, so, or brings something else to your heart, um, absolutely you should seek that out and pursue it. But we ought to also realize the platform we have where we are today and make sure we're actually giving that, giving that back to God. Right? Yeah, I was, I, was at a, I was doing a presentation for a group of Christians at a major financial institution, and I said, do you think of your colleagues as your neighbors? Yeah. Because we're supposed to love our neighbors. Yeah. They really didn't. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's an interesting point. Like, and it's like, my neighbors are the, well, they're the people yeah. that technically live near me that I never see, or you yeah. know, what's it really mean to love my neighbors? And it was almost, um, but that's back to that idea that that's your platform. Yeah. Like, the people yeah. who are near you already, even if you're not where you want to be, or you're not in the yeah. career yeah. that you may may ultimately pursue, you already have a web of relationships and influence. Yeah, no, and, and I would maybe argue that your colleagues, your customers, your you know, vendors, superiors, your vendors, all are, the stakeholders, all, all your stakeholders are actually your your coworkers are are uh, probably more of your actual neighbors, if mm-hmm. you will, than what it's a great example than than those people that live might live near you physically, right? Because you're with them every day. You have economic influence back and forth between yourselves. And they see a, probably they, a more unfiltered version they, of you. They than, see a completely unfiltered version yeah. of you, obviously, <laughs> over time, right? right. So, yeah. so how do you represent yourself in that environment, and how do you, how do you represent Christ in that environment? Is, uh, that's your platform, right? We've all been given one. Right, and it could expand or it could shift yeah. or it can evolve, as yeah, we said, with seasons and different assignments. But, but your, your hope is actually as you evolve from one platform to another, and in my own career I'd use the example of just – you know, leaving being a CEO in one company to another, or maybe we bought a company at CCMP and we had it for five years and we sold it. Exited it yeah. How do you how do you keep the relationships going with those people in your life that you're no longer that kind of close to? And how what kind of interaction have you created over time that allow you to be close to them, right? Hmm. And to stay close to them throughout the course of your life, right? You won't stay close to everybody, but what kind of platform have you created that you have uh, this series of experiences throughout your life? Most young people, if they're listening to this, are going to live to be about 100, right? So it's a long life, and you're going to have a series of experiences. You Mm. just want each of the people in those experience groups to be friends and people that you had a positive influence on, and it could see Christ through you. And your yeah. book idea yeah. is one of the ways it sounds like you've done that. that like yeah. you have this growing list and yeah. and your Christmas letter. And yeah. th- th- there's, it seems like there's ways that you and Rhonda are just holding the door open. Yeah, there's very practical kind of ways. You know, that there's an interesting uh, 
concept that Jesus, if you think about, he worked in concentric circles. So he had the four mm-hmm. disciples closest to him, then he had the 12, then he had the 72, and then he had the masses, right? So he had kind of concentric circles in his life that uh, people he was close to and interacted with daily, and then people he only act- interacted with periodically. So how can you continue to have that influence? And pe- some people will come into your inner circle and then go to a you know, more outer circle, what you just don't want to have happen is them to disappear entirely, right? right? Yeah, so the, the goal, I think, is to find ways like that, whether it's a letter, you know, you send out, you know, once a year to keep everybody updated with you and to get updates from them, or, you know, we do these marriage summits, uh, Ron and I have, this will be our 16th year with seven younger couples, another couple, Britt and Julia Harrison, and uh, so you, you do that seven couples times, 16 years, you're, you know, up over 100 couples spread out all over the world, you know, kingdom-minded uh, couples. Once a year, we actually send out a note that says, uh, give us an update on your life plan. We have them do a one-page life plan as part of this mm-hmm. exercise. That's funny. And they come back every year with an update. And that we might not talk to them. Some of them we'll talk to more frequently, but some of them we might only hear from once a year like that. But we can still kind of keep up to date with their lives and continue to sort of be able to speak into their lives just through the time that we had together and the, and the, and the interaction. And so how are you actually using the platform God gave you, whether it be in an event like that or whether it be in your, in your workplace, to, uh, to kind of further the kingdom? I, I love the intentionality of that. I think that sometimes... Back to the fulfillment thread that we talked yeah. about last time, we think with with relationships, I think we, we we get tricked into thinking, well, if you have to be intentional, then it's not meant to be. Like yeah. it should just happen. But by re, by the types of things that you just mentioned, um, and we do a thing. You know, I'm from Pennsylvania. Most of our early supporters and, and many of the current supporters of Voca come from a the church I used to pastor. So we go back to Pennsylvania every year and we have a dinner and we get everybody together that wants to come. And it's really special. And it's been really special to keep that. Keep it going. Keep it going. And we all look forward to it yeah. every year now. It's like a reunion every year. And it's it doesn't take actually a lot of work. It's, uh, it's, and it's not, I can't control whether people come to it. Yeah. But I can open the door and they come. Yeah, and, and, and you invite them and... Uh, um, I'll give you kind of a practical example of how that's kind of played out, you know, in my career. So uh, two, two real quick ones. I met uh, a person that was actually a director in corporate real estate when I was president of Continental Airlines. And uh, I met her in a workout class. We, you know, I'd go to before work every morning, you know, spinning class. And um, uh, there were a bunch of us in the class from the company and, you know, and um, when I actually left the company after, you know, several years after I'd left the company, we'd stayed in touch all that time. She said, you know, I'd really like to come work for you and be your chief of staff, your EA. And so she did. And for seven years, she did that from like hmm. 2006 to 2013. Uh, and then uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks, uh, she's continually uh, done a good we've done a good job of staying in touch and having lunch and Rhonda and I'll go to lunch with her and her husband and all that stuff maybe once a year twice a year for all that time and just this last week she said you know I'd really like to come back and do that again and so she's going to come back again and that's over 30 years in different roles Um, but we just kind of kept that relationship going and there's another 
a person that was actually in 2016 in our marriage. Uh, some we got to know them as a couple, uh, and um, same thing. So she's actually also come to work uh, just through that long keeping relationship. So as you get a little older, which I am now, you actually learn that uh, if you keep and maintain relationships at both CEO level for me or board level, and also just with the people I worked with, mysterious things kind of happen and yeah, God brings wild. them back into your lives, it's, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's beyond not burning any bridges. It's, yeah, it's yeah. keeping the bridge cleared and yeah. relationships open. And it's, it's even dovetailing with that idea of creating jobs and yeah, having that yeah. capacity to say, oh, yeah, we've got something for you to do, yeah. which doesn't always happen. I wanted to go back to some couple things uh, that you said earlier. First was that this idea of platform being sort of your sphere of influence, mm. I think the number one aspiration of college graduates is to be influencers. Yeah. And whenever I read that stat... <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh because I, yeah. I have. Some, I'm not too old. I have to you, laugh. You, just, you can laugh. That's fine. Um, but I think it's something Jim Jim Collins talks about a lot in his talks. He was mentored by the management guru, Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker, yeah. Yeah, who's a great Christian guy, actually. Yeah. Um, but Drucker said, Jim, stop trying so hard to be interesting. Just be interested. Yeah, interesting. And I thought, I say, I say the same thing to young people who want to be influential. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about being influential. Do something yeah. that matters, yeah. and it'll end up being influential. What do you think yeah. about that? Like, like, what do you think about like somebody who's stressing over their platform? Like, it's not big enough. It's not yeah. having enough of an impact, or that kind of thing. What do you say to them? Well, I think over time, God will open up that platform to you that He wants you to have. But I think it comes back to work being important to God, and some a big piece of work just being routine or maybe not all that exciting. I mean, we go through periods of our lives where, and, and you know, again, the young people are going to live to be 100, so it's, uh, it's a long life, um, uh, where, you know, maybe we think, gosh, is this all there is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. is this what God is calling me to do? It might be what he's calling you to do in the moment. For now. For now. And by the way, if you ask the question a different way, if this is really truly the medium in which I'm worshiping God, like Dorothy Sayers says, what can I do with this medium? You can make it interesting. Uh, To your point, be interested in other people. So, you know, okay, maybe I'm, you know, doing what is a fairly mundane thing. Can I make that more interesting by sending some books out to everybody and saying, hey, could we have a book club? Or can we, you know, uh, how can you care about other people? How find can ways you be to inter- add value. How, find way to be interested, right, yeah. in others and find ways to add value that uh, uh, in your current situation. And then, it'll, you know, kind of be amazed as you do that because life's cumulative. What doors God opens up. You know, yeah, well, Jesus said, be faithful in a little. Yeah. And then, the, well, the person who's faithful in a little mm-hmm. will be faithful, faithful in much. much. So yeah. if you've just got a little. Yeah, be faithful. Lean into that, yeah. you know, and you'll be surprised where it takes you. No, absolutely. And I, I don't think switching jobs is a bad thing, but just hmm. switch from a point of gratitude. Hmm. Switch from a point of uh, God opening another door to another platform for you. Don't switch for a oh, I don't think this is so fulfilling, so I'm going to try this. I think you'll probably find that those kinds of switches that aren't anchored in 
you know, that being the medium in which you worship God, you know, as a platform won't probably be very satisfactory either because, you know, what's the old saying? The grass is maybe greener, but it's just as tough to mow. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, and it's often not even greener. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we, 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 you know, some of the work that we do at VOCA is we coach people through that process. We really mm-hmm. try and help them slow down, get facts, get facts about themselves, get facts about the world. Because sometimes it is good to move. Yeah. If, it's a, yeah. if you have a real opportunity that's going to, uh, back to what we said, I think, yeah. in the last, our last conversation, if there's the who is really like the people or the yeah. kind of people you want to learn from and the what you're yeah. going to do, and it's really an opportunity for growth and adding value and stretching, then that's great. But if you haven't verified all that, yeah, there's this thing called rage quitting. No, we did a whole episode on it. Just I remember, I remember it's seeing just, that. It's and just I think like you're absolutely right. You're just going to pay the dumb tax for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why you're doing that. And you can even, if some of you have kids that are coming up through the the spectrum, you can even get ahead of this with your kids. What we did with ours uh, when they were they're in their 30s now, but um, when they were uh, sophomores in high school start having a conversation because we could see their giftedness. You could start having a conversation about what it is that you want to do, you right. know, when you grow Parents up. Parents can see the giftedness. We, we, we would tell them, uh, we're not going to have any philosophy majors. We can have philosophy minors, but you're going to major in getting a job. <laughs> so go do the research of what do you think you want to do? How much does it pay? Where do you go to work? So we'd have them go do a bit of that. And they come back with, uh, okay, here's what I think. And then we'd say, okay, pick five to 10 colleges that can help you get to that place, right? And um, they would, and then hit all the early admission deadlines and you know, then pick a college, right, that, and, and pick a career path. If you wanna change that career path, it's absolutely fine, but you have to go back to the beginning and do the research of what is it you wanna think to do? Stephen Covey calls that begin with the end begin of mind. Begin with the end of mind, right. Right, and um, I think actually for, if you're kind of contemplating work not being as satisfying as you want it to be, think about beginning with the end in mind and begin with Dorothy Sayers and Colossians of work being a medium in which you uh, worship God. And what is that, you know, what does that look like? And then back yourself up from that. And then you can begin to think about, okay, what are the steps I might take to get there? But to your point, uh, Chip, and the point of your earlier podcast, uh, uh, don't rage quit and burn a whole bunch of bridges behind you because uh, you'll, you'll be shocked in your career at how important it is to, and how interesting and fulfilling it is to actually be able to walk back across some of those vi- bridges, maybe even just for a visit. Hmm. You know, so y- y- you should have those, leave those relationships intact. No, that's really good. I mean, that's, I think that's the way to honor God in our relationships, yeah. period. Mm-hmm. And amazing it actually mm-hmm. ends up leading to opportunities down the road yeah. amazing how god's wisdom mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. i want to come back to the calcutta idea find your calcutta yeah. how would you describe your calcutta yeah at I, this stage in yeah. your life and career what's I, your calcutta I, i'm really good at actually simplifying complex things hmm. uh in big organizations so taking the complex and you know boiling it down to one page and making it simple so um, uh, basically the way my career, the way my life has invo- evolved is actually really around that one kind of giftedness that God has given me. So uh, uh, the way we do our philanthropy is around that. The way we do our, uh, our the way I, uh, you know, buy companies is around that. The way I, you know, think about ministry or how I'm kind of spending my time with others is kind of around taking everything and kind of boiling it down 
to a kind of a one-page plan, and I update that plan for myself personally, mm-hmm. for my business, and for each, uh, you know, in, in total, and then for each of the businesses I'm involved with, I update those once a year. And so um, it actually allows me to sort of say, how do I actually keep my platform on track, right? How do I keep my life on track? And I've got some paradigms for doing that, both in your personal life and in your business life, that um, is kind of how I've defined my platform. So taking complicated things, making them simple, and then using that uh, to, uh, to really drive you know, fundamental change across just a broad array of things. Yeah, and I just, I just want to emphasize that you're, for, if anybody's running a business or an organization, your four-part yeah. turnaround plan yeah. grid, it's one page. Yeah. Uh, we use it all the time. That's how we, that's how we organize it, even organize our staff meetings and our tasks. That's yeah. for, your, you know, your marketing, yeah. your program or yeah. service, your finances and your people. It just, yeah. It's just really, really helpful. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, and life is, I call the five Fs, faith, family, friends, fitness, mm-hmm. and finance. And that's and your so personal the side. three or four, that's yeah. kind of more. That's really, really, the, we use the, that too. The personal side and then the, the, the business side, uh, you know, I just finished doing it last week for, you know, for uh, TurnWorks and the, you know, the business stuff I've involved in, whether it's CCMP or Home Depot or Baker Hughes or Baylor College of Or Medicine. your restaurant. Well, that's my goofing off category. Yeah, like so that's one category is business. <laughs> and the second category I got now is family office. So we're doing mm. a bunch of investing and stuff there. The third category I call goofing off, and that's the restaurant. And I don't know, I got, I'm doing a eco lodge in New Zealand and a villa in Costa Rica and some other weird, oh. some weird stuff I call goofing off. And then the last part is uh, is philanthropy. So I've actually even taken what I call TurnWorks, which is our family office, and mm. we've actually, you know, to glorify God, kind of written it into four parts and then are just very diligent about how I manage time across each of those areas from a business perspective. So, And, and was there a point in your career where you realized, I'm drifting, I, I don't know what my Calcutta is, I need to do something about this? Or was it always this way? Were you always... I'd say there were points at time where I felt clear about it and points where I didn't feel as clear about it. But um, I've always, my brain has always worked to be pretty organized about mm-hmm. it. And so I try and commit everything to one page, essentially. And uh, whether that's faith, family, friends, fitness, finance for my personal life, that's where, you know, the first one I, you know, uh, the first part of that component for me on the page was, uh, you know, A.W. Tozer's God doesn't have favorites, right. he does, has intimates. Uh, you know, that's where that came from. But but um, uh, I think if you can sit down and commit yourself to thinking about your platform and your life on one page, hmm. it really is a helpful exercise. I'd encourage everybody to do it. It's very hard to do, by the way. It, th- it sounds like it would be easy, uh, but uh, but it's, it's incredible. What's most difficult, do you think? Well, I trace this back all the way to Blaise Pascal, this statement um, in the 1400s. It probably goes back further than that, but uh, they've, it's been credited to Mark Twain and a whole bunch of people. But there's a saying, um, uh, I would have written you a short letter, but I didn't have enough time, so I wrote a long one. <laughs> right. It's pretty easy for us to sit down and write all these things we want to do and all these things we want to accomplish, and we develop this huge to-do list, Right. But those really aren't blue chips in poker. They're white chips. They're mm-hmm. the daily things we got to get done. If you sit down and then say, whether it's my life or my business, let me let me get all the things I want to accomplish on one page, you know, under four quadrants with no more than four things under each one. 
uh, that's really hard. It's the sorting. It's the sorting, yeah, yeah, and getting to the things that are the most important. So um, it's, uh, it, it's an incredibly valuable exercise. As you're thinking about your platform, it's really great to do because you might think your platform's tiny and it's not fulfilling and you want to do something more. But by the time you sit down and write, you know, what would I like to do with what I have? Hmm. You'll find, I think you'll find there's a lot of opportunity you may not be taking advantage of, or there may be some things God's calling you to do you haven't listened to by just taking the time to try and commit it to paper. Yeah, I think when it comes down to this platform idea, one of the practical things that every listener can do is to step back and take stock yeah. of the platform they already have. They already have. Yeah, that's where you start, right? Because you do have one. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Even if you're looking for work, your yeah. first job, you still have a network. You still have a community uh, yeah. from probably from school and wherever you grew up that you still have a platform. Yeah. And yeah, your fellow students. And and all along, it just generally gets larger as we, as we age. No. And so we all have a platform. And when you use something like the life plan, um, which you talk about in your book right away and all at once, you know, when you do something like that, it gives you a tool to step back and say, am I really being faithful yeah. kind of, with the platform I've already been given? Well, that, that's how I started writing the one page life plan is I felt like I was, uh, you know, basically, uh, satisfactorily underperforming in life. Hmm. Right, I said there has to be satisfactory. You know, yeah, <laughs> there has to be more, right? Yeah. So I said, gosh, if I can write a one-page plan to turn around a company, I wonder if I can write a one-page plan to turn around me. And that's where the whole idea really started, and uh, it's super fundamental. And if you're struggling, it might even be more important because mm-hmm. um, you can then really get down on a piece of paper what. Uh, you know what uh, you'd love to, you you think God is calling you to accomplish in your in your life and with the resources you've been given. I think that's a great and important action item to end this conversation with because mm-hmm. that's that's where this goes beyond something that folks are listening to out there and they actually can use the insight here to really sharpen the clarity and focus with which they're doing their work and their whole life. Yeah, absolutely, it's a good one. Great. So we've talked about. Our work is important to God. That's the first truth. The second truth is that God has given us each a platform. And in this episode, we, we really unpacked, I think, what that means and how to, how to see it and how to maximize it. And in our upcoming conversation, our next conversation, we're going to talk about a really interesting idea. And that's that when you work as a Christian, you are always playing an away game. We'll have fun doing that. Yes, we will, Craig. Thanks for listening. As we close this episode, I'm going to use the H word, help. First, help us help you. Do you want to grow in your effectiveness as a worker and a leader? Are you wondering if you're in the right job or career? Maybe you lead a team and wonder how to make that better. Go to vocacenter.org consult for an easy scheduling link and book your appointment with one of our great coaches today. We are ready to help you. Second, Help us help others. This podcast is brought to you by generous donors who change lives by changing work through their investment in VOCA. If you like this content and want to partner with us to reach more workers, donate to VOCA. Go to vocacenter.org give and begin your partnership today. We'll see you next time on the VOCA podcast, where we help you build resilient faith at work.